You are now listening to The Oliver Manley Show. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by OliverManalise.com. Are you in transition wondering where to begin? Are you a burned out entrepreneur looking to perform at high levels without losing yourself? Or perhaps you're a leader and have checked all the boxes in life, look great on paper and wondering, is this it? If any of these three descriptions sound like you, I am opening up my calendar for consultations to help provide you with clarity, direction, and action steps that will create speed, depth, and power to your life so you can create your next breakthrough. If you're interested, go to olivermanalise.com and set up your complimentary call today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Oliver Manalise Show. If this is your first time here. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. Here we get a chance to talk to inspirational and influential leaders like authors, entrepreneurs, speakers, creatives, you name it. And together, we take an inside look at the adversity behind their triumphs and unpack the actionable insights we can all use to live more meaningful, abundant, and impactful lives. Today we get to speak with the one and only Mike Bursich. I met Mike about a year ago. We were on a bus coming back from a mountain bike excursion, returning to an entrepreneur's retreat where I had the pleasure of volunteering. And we actually had a really deep talk about his journey, the challenges he's faced along the way and the projects that were near and dear to his heart. It was literally one of the most uh, meaningful and impactful conversations I had that entire week and was really, really inspired by his candidness and vulnerability. In our conversation today, we talk about defining moments in his life, which include experiencing loss, experiencing depression, how it looked like inside that period of depression, how he got through it, why he purposely scaled down his business, the value of taking space, his shift towards investing in relationships and commitment and committing to a high quality lifestyle. Guys, this is such a refreshing interview and I hope it really inspires you to open up the conversations with the people that you love and care about, about what you really want and what's serving you. As always, all the links, books, resources, and people mentioned throughout the episode can be found in the show notes at olivermanalise.com forward slash show. And if you've been getting value from the show, the best way you can support us is to share your favorite episodes with a friend. I honestly care more that this content and the messages of our guests are in the right hands at the right time. But uh, if you are compelled to do so, it would mean a lot if you could write us a five-star review on iTunes. That helps us get a little bit more visibility as well. That's it, guys. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Mike Bursich. Welcome to another episode of the Oliver Manley Show. Today we have a very, very special and wonderful guest. His name is Mike Bursich. And did I pronounce that properly? That's pretty close. Uh, I, there's many variations. Bursic, Birchich, Bursachi, whatever. Bursachi. Uh. <laughs> Birchich sounds more, sounds more the way it's supposed to sound like. It is, yeah. It's a Croatian name, yeah. Awesome. So, so Mike is a father, husband, adventurer, writer, entrepreneur, traveler, food lover, and bon vivant. I actually had to, to look up to see what that means, but it's <laughs> somebody who loves the luxuries of life. Perfect. I think I can say I can say I'm one of those as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, I guess I, I wouldn't necessarily say that. Uh, I mean, I like luxury as much as the next person, but uh, it's more just I, I. I like to think of myself who as someone who just loves to live life and and live it as much as I possibly can. Yes, enjoy enjoy life, like feel alive. 
Mm-hmm. And and for those who don't know who Mike is, Mike's mission is to use business to make a positive change in the world. In 1996, he founded Sacred Rides, a company that blends his love of mountain biking and travel as a means for helping to open customers' eyes to new places, new cultures, and new ways of being. Sacred Rides has been celebrated as the number one mountain bike tour operator on Earth, according to National Geographic Adventure Magazine, and the world's number one mountain bike outfitter, according to Outside Magazine. Mike is also the co-founder of Bikes Without Borders with his wife, Tanya, where they use bikes as a tool for development in communities in need. A bicycle cannot only help children get an education. It can also lift a community out of poverty, and it could save a life. Mike loves to mentor and consult entrepreneurs who are also seeking to make change in the world through business. And he's created Mastermind Adventures, where amazing entrepreneurs get to gather in amazing places around the world in a way that facilitates deep, meaningful conversations and relevant learning, while also having an absolute shitload of shitload of fun <laughs> in the process. And so you can all together envision and live a bigger and better future. And uh, he does this in just spectacular places, and he has one coming up in may i believe so that's right welcome to the show mike i am so thrilled to be here oliver thank you so much for coming on i i i'm really honored especially the the first time that we met i was just uh it was just so refreshing for just your level of transparency honesty uh, vulnerability to an absolute stranger and uh i'm really excited to for you to to be here and share share a bit of your story with us yeah, I, I remember that. That was the van in uh, at Mastermind Talks on the on route to our our mountain bike day. There, we had we had a good chat in that van. Yeah, that, I, and that that's why I, I remember it. I remember it so well because you were just like just so raw and sharing about some of the challenges that you had uh, in in your journey, in your entrepreneurial journey, especially. And uh, that's something that I f- feel is such. It's a conversation that really needs to be had because. We look up to entrepreneurs and and successful individuals are put up on pedestals. And sometimes we forget that they're human beings and they have struggles and challenges that they've had to overcome to get to, to where they are. And I think unveiling that part of their, their life story is just, it's empowering for all of us, but also it reveals some actionable insights that we could all apply in our own lives. So I'd love to know what, what are some defining moments of your life that you can share with us? Maybe two or three defining moments. Two or three. Um, I guess probably probably the first most defining uh, moment of my childhood, I guess, would have been my, my dad's death. Um, that was – I was 16 years old at the time and he had – he had put up a valiant, valiant struggle against brain cancer for a couple of years, but um, it was it was fairly terminal. And the fact that he was able to hang on as long as he did was testament to his strength. And uh, you know, high school is high school is a challenging time at the best of times. But but to also be going through looking after a, a sick father who, uh, you know, one one. One defining thing about brain cancer that that sets it apart from many other cancers is that it completely changes who you are. It 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 changed his personality, uh, changed how he interacted with the people around him in the world, and and that was that that was fairly confusing to to go through as a child, and then to have to deal with his death and and um, 
you know, that, that defined me, it still defines me to this day, but it, it really defined me for a long time because actually uh, I had enough going on in my life to deal with, to not have to deal with the death of a parent, but I, mm-hmm. I, I, just, pushed, I just pushed that away and, um, and really never grieved him until about, until about 18 years later when uh, the universe sort of slapped me in the face and said, hey, maybe it's time to, to, <laughs> to, to grieve this process and honor it and had to deal with it many years later, and, uh, which, which leads me to probably the second you know, major defining moment. And that was I, was I was 34 years old. And like I said, this was 18 years after, after my father's death. And I had, um, I had moved out to British Columbia after, after graduating from university basically just hopped in my hopped in my green Volvo station wagon the day after my last exam at university and just headed out west and didn't know what I wanted to do want just knew I wanted to get out and uh figured well I'll I'll just be a ski bum for a little bit and <laughs> and uh figure figure it out later and ended up in this little ski town called Fernie and over the next uh over the next 10 years really you know really lived um in hindsight, what was a very easy and very fun-filled and a uh, bit of a magical life. I, I started my company back then. In the summers, I would you know, spend 90 to 100 days a year uh, on my mountain bike. In the winter, I would ski my brains out. I was in a band. I uh, eventually ended up going to music school and joined another band, and we toured all over North America and Europe. And... Um, lived in a bus and lived in all these different places. And it was really, you know, for that, that time in my life, it was really uh, a, a magical time. But um, the, the defining moment, I guess, to get back to that, that topic was, it was Christmas Eve 2004. And I'd, and I'd been dating this, this uh, girl for about, I think about two, three months at that time. And I'd flown back to Toronto uh, for a couple of weeks and then flew back, flew back, uh, to where I was living at the time on Christmas Eve to see her, and and that's uh, where she broke the news to me that it wasn't going to work out. And uh, it it not only came as a bit of a, a shock to me, but it it really just hit me like a, a ton of bricks. And um, and it wasn't necessarily the relationship that uh, that that was the the stimulus here, but just I, I guess looking back, it was maybe the sense of loss that triggered. Mm. That triggered the sense of loss for my dad, or I, you know, I'm, I'm, I've I've psychoanalyzed this plenty of times over. We're not going to get into that here, yeah. but uh, I I ended up going back to my place and and I crawled in bed and uh, I more or less didn't get out of that bed for several weeks, and and just went into a huge tailspin and didn't really know what was going on and and you know when I finally got around to seeing a doctor, he diagnosed it as uh, clinical depression. And that that process of getting out of that place took took me well over well over two years, and the initial part of that phase just involved going deeper and deeper and deeper down this uh, into this into this black hole. And um, and it's funny, you know, to this day, I, the one really interesting thing about that was that for myself being a musician i always have music in my head whether i'm mm. singing somebody else's song or writing my own song there's always some sort of music going on uh in my head and that day it was christmas eve 2004 and that was uh, like the song that was the day the music died yes and i was and just that, listening to that yesterday 
I just listened to it this morning, strangely enough. Wow, we were talking about the Richie Valens and Buddy Holly story. Me and my, me and my fiance, and she just she, she had no idea about it. And I was just like sharing sharing the apple pie yeah. song, <laughs> yeah, American Pie. And um, and that and that was the day the music just stopped. And wow. in its place was was this voice, which it was just this awful, terrible, repeating voice, just saying, "Life is shit. It's never going to get better. It's terrible. It's terrible." And that and that voice just basically was on repeat every waking every waking moment, and it was you know it was it was quite maddening, and I'd never experienced anything like that before. Did it come uh, out of nowhere, what, or do you do you have a? I mean, looking back and doing the work that you've done, um, was that present and maybe just not like the volume wasn't turned up? Yeah, it it, it certainly didn't come out of nowhere. Uh, I would say for a, a couple of years, I, you know, I think um, I, I managed to sort of get by for many years just by virtue of of living a pretty, you know, fun life. And it was a very, very hedonistic, you know, self-centered, <laughs> self-centered type of life. I was I was really just living life to enjoy, enjoy it as much as possible. And there's, you know, certainly nothing wrong with that. But uh, it was very focused on, on me. And that kind of got me got me by i guess for for a number of years but i would say a couple of years leading up to that point um i started to feel just more and more discontent with discontented with with life and and really um i i guess i, I wasn't practiced enough in in introspection and mm. being still with myself to really uh discover or honor what was going on in me and you know, I just sort of ramped everything up. I just, I skied harder and I partied harder and, you know, whatever. And it, um, but obviously none of that really dealt with that, that inner disquiet. And um, it wasn't until, you know, I got this slap in the face where it, it was, I, I mean, it, it became a very physical and visceral thing where I could, I, I could barely even get the energy to get out of my bed to go to the bathroom and, 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 um, and yeah, so I, that 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 process eventually took me back to Toronto, and uh, I hadn't planned on moving back to Toronto. I just came back for a friend's wedding, and I didn't actually know what my next move was going to be. I was going to try and move to another town, and and then I got back here, and just um, it dawned on me over the course of a week that this was where I needed to be in order to to deal with this. And wow. and I didn't know I didn't know exactly why, but it just sort of felt I was being called back here, and I needed to explore that. And uh, you know, through the and and I and I just eventually ended up being connected with the right people and the right resources to help me deal with this. And um, and during that, that time, you 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 also had your your business. You had sacred rides going. You had other things in your life that you have you had built and had to manage. Yeah, and that was. Um, I mean, that was just a, a sheer. Um, effort of will to try to try and keep that afloat and and you know it wasn't even will it's just i i didn't really have a lot of will or, or motivation or anything those days but at the very least i knew i had to try and keep this business afloat because i didn't want to sink any lower mm -hmm. um and so i you know I, I somehow managed to keep that business going for that two to three year period wow. where i could you know i could barely face the world but um yeah, it amazes me to this day that that the business stayed alive and has and has gotten to the point where it is today. But you know, looking back, that was such a seminal experience. And one of my uh, one of my best friends said to me at at the time, and he said, 
one day you're going to look back at this time in your life as as one of the the best gifts that or the, one of the best things that's ever happened to you. Wow. And uh, and at the time, I just you know I thought he was I thought he was daft, and I, and I just thought, geez, how could I ever look at this as uh, as a gift? This is the worst. You know, I, every day I felt like I was being put through the ringer and and just destroyed into a million pieces. But looking back, it was absolutely. Um, such a wonderful turning point in my life to go from uh, this life that was very much uh, focused on myself and focused on, you know, my pleasures to be able to actually develop a capacity for empathy, empathy for others and consideration of others and, and take a much, much more, a much broader perspective. And also to be able to honor and respect my own inner life for the, probably for the first time in my life. Were you clearly struggling like were you uh were you sharing that with people or were you the type of God, person no. to hide it like were you hiding it from the world or well i, I mean like i said this was 2004 this was um things have changed a lot since then and there's still there's still a, plenty of stigma around mental illness these mm-hmm. days but but back then people did not have open conversations about depression about mental illness mm-hmm. um and uh I, I didn't feel like I, I could share that with anybody because wow. you know it would, it would it would it would bring me down a notch I guess and part of that was just ego at play I didn't want I didn't want people to know that I didn't have all my shit together and um, and 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 it's you know it's a, it's for me it's a real honor to be able to share that story with people and and I have shared it whether it's on stage or whether through my writing or something like that I've shared it with lots and lots of people and. Uh, it's a real honor f- for me to be able to, um, to to give people their own license to be able to speak freely about their struggles because when I do, they feel a little bit more uh, open and available to be able to share their own struggle that they're going through. And mine are, you know, well behind me and I could very well go back into that place. But uh, to be able to come at it from a, a place where I've come through and, sh- and can show people that, hey, there is a way out. Because when I was in the midst of that, I just – I absolutely did not believe there was a way out. And, you know, I almost came close to taking the only, uh, what I felt was the only way out one night. And, um, and, and I really didn't think there was any recovering from that. So, uh, I, you know, I like to share my story in the hopes that it can touch others and they can realize that there's a way through and they can reach out to me or whatever. And and thank you for that because that's, I think that's such a key piece about where you were in 2004, where, this conversation i mean it's still it's still a conversation that needs to be had it still needs to be opened up but back then it's even more challenging it sounds like it would be the time where people where people would want to isolate themselves because of because of the stigma which adds to the whole uh tragedy of it the pain of it because you can't you can't even express it or or ask for support it's 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 almost uh more available now like that support and that conversation Especially, especially with you opening up about it, right? It gives people permission. It gives people license, like you say. Um, what kind of things? So I, I'm actually interested in. Was was there a bottom? Like, was there a bottom to it? Like where it turned, where it began to turn around? Like, did it get mm-hmm. worse right before your right before you decided? Because you you mentioned that there was some there was uh, some challenges with you just in your in your own life, like yeah. right, at, right at the tail, like at the bottom of it. Yeah, the you know the 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 bottom for me was uh, waking up 
uh, waking up one night and, you know, for, for me at that point, at, at that time in my life, whenever I woke up, bam, immediately that voice started. And, uh, that voice telling me life is terrible. It's never going to, it's never going to get better, which is, which is a, it was a hard way to wake up. Uh, and it's like you wake up in some, just imagine waking up and your roommate is, is in a bed across the room from you going, Hey, asshole, life sucks. Uh, and this is, you know, this is what it was like, except the roommate was living, living in my head. And, but that particular night I woke up and, and, and what had been, you know, uh, a, a voice became this, this yell. And, you know, in hindsight, it was, I was probably having an anxiety attack, but, uh, it became more or less unbearable. It just, it, it was just, and, and it wasn't just a voice. It was my, a feeling throughout my entire body of just this in, incredible dread. Oh. And, um, and this that that lasted for about an hour, and I just sat there in my bed shaking and sort of holding my knees and trying to rock myself back and forth and find a way out of this. And and eventually, it just I, I just came to the thought that I don't I don't think I could possibly take this for for the rest of my life, let alone for another week or tonight even. And I began, I, and I started thinking about, uh, you know, maybe tonight is the night I'm going to, and I'd been entertaining these thoughts, uh, suicidal thoughts up until then, but never really took them seriously. And that night was when I, I really realized that maybe tonight is the night that it has to happen because I can't possibly, I can't possibly bear this. And I, and I stayed like that in, in my bed for, I don't know how long, maybe another hour or two, just, just shaking uncontrollably, trying, trying to fight off this urge to go and off myself. You know, I didn't know how I was going to do it. And somehow, I, I really don't know how, but I somehow managed to get myself back to sleep. And uh, when I woke up in the morning, that, it was still there. It wasn't quite as bad, but I'm, I, I resolved right then and there that I was, that I was going to get my way out of this. And wow. I had up and up until that point, I had kind of, uh, I had toyed with antidepressants and I would, and I would take them and then I, and then I would feel a little bit better. And I didn't like the idea of messing with my brain chemistry and I would stop uh, and I would stop cold Turkey and my, you know, my psychiatrist would be like, you can't do that. That's going to make things worse. And I'd, I'd been on this roller coaster with, with medication. And I finally, I went to my doctor that day and I said, listen, I'm, I'm ready to commit to this. I want to get better. And I, and I knew, you know, that you can do things like exercise and meditation, all these other things that are long-term solution. But I just knew that unless I committed to the medication, I would barely have the strength to get out of bed and, mm. and stay motivated to keep these things going. And so when I finally actually did commit to them was when, the, you know, I, had, I basically established some sort of ground underneath my feet so I wouldn't wow. keep sinking, sinking down into this endless abyss. And um, and so I actually have a very different view and, and relationship with uh, medication now, and and I don't think they're ever a long term solution. But yeah. if you're if you're really hurting, you know they they can be extremely effective in just helping you establish a, a base minimum of you know energy and motivation to try and tackle your problems in a much more sustainable long term uh, way. And anyway, so you know over the course of the next year or so. Um, I committed to my therapy. I was seeing a therapist. I started doing group therapy, which was really amazing. Um, I took my yoga teacher training. I started meditating regularly, exercising regularly, you know, all the sort of classic things that we know now um, contribute to mental wellness and, mm -hmm. and weren't, weren't, weren't so well documented back then. But, um, 
you know, eventually all those things sort of coalesced. And I remember one day just uh, just walking down the street and all of a sudden a song popped into my head. And that was the first time in almost two years that I'd had music in my head. Wow. And, and uh, it was that you know that wasn't like oh I'm I'm cured now I've, I'm I'm great, um, and and I still had all kinds of challenges but that was the first time the music came back and uh, and it was just like welcoming an old friend back that you hadn't seen in in so long. Wow, I'm getting goosebumps right now. That's amazing, man. So the music finally came back. Yeah, and and it's been back uh, ever since, which you know is nice. It's nice to have that that companion with you. Music's always played a big role in my life, and I wanted to play a big role in my kids' lives. And and uh, yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. Wow. Do you do you feel like um, as you look back now that 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 I mean that horrible night that uh, that bottom wasn't important. Uh, like like a turning point. Abs- absolutely, hundred percent. Like if it yeah. wasn't for that, maybe the change wouldn't have happened. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I could have, you know, I could have continued for many more years, just sort of struggling through and not, not, you know, not. I guess you get accustomed to anything, right? And and many people walk through life just accustomed to an intense dissatisfaction with life and um and you know as the saying goes never let a good crisis go to waste and and for a lot of us whether whether it's an an individual or whether it's an organization or society uh often a, a crisis is the most wonderful thing that can happen because something new you know something dies and then something's reborn from that mm-hmm. and uh that was um you know, I guess to put it in spiritual spiritual terms, that was that was my rebirth. I'm I'm not a yes. particularly religious person, but it definitely, I, I would say I definitely have a a, a different relationship with the world and with myself and with the people around me um, after after that experience. And I, you know, ha- having going through such an intense visceral experience, that was that was the slap in the face and that was the wake up call yeah. because I knew I knew that I could not. You know, I could maybe get through one more night like that, or maybe two more nights, but I could not get through another ten nights like that. And um, and eventually, one of those nights would lead to me, you know, jumping off a bridge or something like that. So uh, it was it, it was a very much a catalyst. And I, and I'd been you know I'd been trying to um, I'd been trying to do things to make myself better, but it was really hard when I was totally messing with myself, mm-hmm. taking medication, then stopping at cold turkey, then taking it again and stopping. And uh, that was, you know, that was the beginning of my commitment to saying, right now is when this ends, and I'm and I'm committing to getting better. You like you took a stand for yourself in that moment, like there was no turning back. That's what it sounds like to me. What was uh, what was? Sorry, what were you gonna say? Uh, absolutely, yeah. It was it was very much so. What would you say has was the the immediate impact, like the ripple effect after taking those necessary steps? Like going on the going on the medication, seeing the therapist, going through group group therapy, committing, taking that stand for yourself. Like, how did it ripple out? Well, you know, I'd I'd been, um, I'd been I'd been seeing my therapist for a little for a little uh, while before that, um, and 
and and he has a very unique unique style. Well, maybe it's not so unique, but it's it's very much a, a powerful style where you go you know you go deep into into whatever those emotions and, and feelings are. Mm-hmm. And he um, you know he told me there's a very good chance that you will feel worse before you feel better. And that may, <laughs> and that may, may may very well have been. Because for the first time in my life, I actually allowed myself to feel those things, and um, instead of just running away from them, or skiing away from them, or biking away from them, or, or right. partying away from them, actually, you know, when, when I was in that room with him, I was actually feeling those things for the first time, and and a lot of those emotions were really related to my dad and and his death, and and it was incredible, just like the amount of rage that came out of that as well and it's and for me that was quite confusing because you know like how can you get angry at somebody for dying but you know 14 year old my 14 16 year old self doesn't you know doesn't necessarily think rationally they just think why the hell are you leaving me uh now and there was all this anger that came out of that uh and when i finally actually felt that anger and was able to express it and 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 get it out um it was just like you know this big this big weight off my shoulders and and then and then getting into group therapy you know it was an amazing process because I was to you know sit in a room with six or seven other people and be face to face every week with with my bullshit all the all the bullshit patterns that I went through life with all the bullshit that I that I used to put up masks and to manipulate other people and whatever that you know you can't you can't escape that when when you're in a room with seven other people and two very skilled facilitators who mm-hmm. who call who call you on all your shit wow. and it was like and it was like for the first time in my life having basically a mirror put up to me and be like holy oh, shit is, is that really what i'm like holy fuck I'm a, bit, I'm a bit of a jerk and yeah and and i think that's when like when we realize that we're being a jerk to ourselves like it really becomes apparent as opposed to just that constant tape in our head and we're just living it out and experiencing it. As soon as other people reflect it back, it's like, wow, that's how I treat myself or that's how I see the world. Mm-hmm. I like what you said about like fully experiencing it. Cause I, cause uh, from my perspective in my personal experience and with, with my clients, I see that any negative, uh, someone, you know, quote unquote negative emotion is one one that needs to be fixed or ran away from or avoided because it's ne- it's a negative emotion as opposed to actually fully experiencing it like to its to its completion and then allowing yourself to actually express it and somehow just allowing yourself to be in it as opposed to run away or change it or turn it into something else just like actually sitting with it, it there's so much uh information embedded inside of it and so much freedom as, as soon as you fully let yourself to go through it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's um, one of the there. You know, there's all kinds of uh, data out there that show how bad our uh, our technology addictions are for us, and and a lot of it focuses on the distraction aspect of it. But um, you know, more so than the distraction. Is that when we are when we are glued to our devices, we we never give ourselves the 
the the opportunity of their luxury of actually just really deeply feeling mm. and and you know I, I struggle that with that myself I've, I've made a lot of steps in, in the last little while of really detaching myself uh, from my phone and my technology because because of that very thing because mm-hmm. you know now the default is as soon as you sit with yourself and are quiet our default is just like oh we're really uncomfortable with that and so we reach we reach for our phone we reach for our iPad whatever whatever it is because we we don't want to sit and and allow uh, allow those emotions to express themselves and when you, when you don't allow that boy oh boy is that detrimental in the uh in the long run and uh you know whether that's what, what and that and that includes joy and you know positive emotions as well mm-hmm. we just if you our, our the bandwidth of our our emotion our emotional spectrum i think has has really shrunk because we're just so used to like turning our attention to to something else instead of just being able to sit with ourselves and and be able to feel whatever it is that we're feeling. Hmm. Yeah, it's like it's an act of self-avoidance and we kind of stick to that 4 to 6 range out of 10 because we don't like because you're avoiding all those negative emotions, you kind of escape the yourself from the the other end of the spectrum like the fullest capacity for aliveness, for joy. It's huge. Um, yeah. I, I want to change the gears a little bit because I'd love to know your perspective on just the climate out there with the entrepreneurs that you get to interact with because you have um, lots of relationships with fellow uh, business owners and entrepreneurs as well you are uh, consulting and mentoring many of them and so based on based on your own story and what you have seen through your own uh, personal perspective with these with these struggles um, do you do you notice that in out in the world as well in, in other human beings that you get to interact with do you see those same similar struggles yeah 100 percent um i think you know there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of space now for 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 people to be able to share their struggles more and 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 sometimes it gets a little bit too too cliche right it's you know the the facebook post that's like bearing their soul to the world uh and <laughs> And there's no, there's nothing there's absolutely nothing wrong with that and I, and, I, and I've done that but um, Me too. you know when it when it comes when it comes from a place of like hey check it out everybody's sharing their deepest darkest moments I'm gonna jump on that uh, <laughs> you know it, 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 that's to come from a place of authenticity like I you know I really I really need to share this um, thing but it, it is certainly much easier and and there's far more of these conversations going on. Um, you know, I just had a conversation with a, with a guy this morning and, uh, we were, I, I was, I was talking to him to assess, you know, whether he was a good fit for one of my, one of my events. And, um, he, he was talking about how, uh, a couple of years ago he'd, you know, he'd, he'd grown his agency up to 120 staff and they were doing quite well in revenue, but he just had to, he just had to more or less walk away from the whole thing because he just, uh, the whole thing, it just become so overwhelming and so uh so life sucking and and not joyous anymore that uh he he took a huge step back from it and uh you know i'm seeing more and more of these types of conversations it, it, you know in in some of the circles i uh, i'm in where i'm surrounded by entrepreneurs doing you know 10 100 million dollars in revenue running these huge organizations and uh open frank discussions about hmm is this is this really, you know, is this really what I what I wanted? Is this really serving me? And and um, you know, I, I did a pretty significant turnaround of my company uh, recently. This is with Sacred Rides, where 
uh, I, I completely took the focus off of scale and growth, which had been which had been sort of our mantra for many years. And and I thought, geez, how can I how can I build a business that really serves me and serves our staff and serves our customers? And and we stopped, you know, we stopped tracking growth at all. And and I just thought, hey, if I can if I can actually shrink my company and and make it more more profitable and make it so that I'm happier and my staff are happy, that's that's awesome. And it's pretty radical. So that's a pretty radical idea. What can you share the the catalyst to that? Well, so um, going back to 2013, 2013 was the first time I raised money from investors, and then it, I did a co- uh, couple more equity rounds in 2014 and 2016, and all of that had been, you know, premised on let's let's grow the crap out of this company. <laughs> Let's grow it as big as we can, every country on earth, and then let's sell it for you know big multiple uh, of your investment, which which is a fairly typical path, right? You go to any you go to any marketing or entrepreneur conference, and it's all about scale, 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 and growth, mm-hmm. growth, growth, and and it's never actually questioned. But and I fell into that trap too, and uh, it, the, the issue is that typically when you when you push scale at 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 a heavy pace. Your profits usually will go down uh, with it. You you bring on way more overhead, and um, your margins will often often suffer, and all kinds of other stuff. It's hard to maintain high growth and high profit. And uh, so, got to the point where, you know, we always have a we have we have a I have a there's a cycle with that business, right? So April April through October is usually high cash flow period, and then November through March cash flow goes down, and usually you know we're we head into off season. Doing fairly well, but we'd gone through a couple of winters where we, you know, barely came out of winter because wow. uh, we just been, we'd just been spending so much money. And then in 2017, after another difficult winter um, where we, you know, barely scraped through, I was looking ahead and, and thinking, "Geez, like we're gonna we're gonna go through this again next winter," and I can't I can't handle the stress of that, and I really. I really just can't handle the process of, of raising money again. It's a lot of work, and I'm not particularly jazzed about it. And uh, so I thought, well, you know, the, the other option that I haven't considered for the last several years is actually um, is actually deal with the business model. And and um, and the first thing I, I, I realized was that this uh, this growth hamster wheel had to go. And hmm. and 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 you, you had mentioned uh, Philip McKernan. Uh, I was in. He he led a session at Mastermind Talks, and and uh, that that one hour session. There's a couple of questions that he asked that forced me to really examine why I was doing uh, what what I was doing, and, and realizing so much of that came down to the need for validation, and so much of that came down to ego. And uh, and once I had that realization, it was again like like a weight off my shoulders. I'm like, geez, like I really don't need this business to validate me, and I don't need to be. On the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine, that's that's five minutes, but it doesn't doesn't provide for a meaningful, fulfilling life. And uh, once I backed off from that need to to you know be in every country on earth and be famous, it was it was so much easier to make good decisions. Once I decided to get off that that hamster wheel of of growth and and you know the first the first question that I asked myself was like what what do I want this why do I want this company and um and and i realized that what i what i wanted this company for is i wanted i wanted it to be profitable so that uh it could generate a decent income for me and my staff mm-hmm. that are stressing me out due to you know, cash flow issues 
And second of all, I wanted it to uh, really serve me rather than me serving it and also my staff and my customers and all that. And so the, the two metrics that we, that we focused on were profit and, and happiness. Uh-huh. And, that, and that, inclu- that included mine at, um, at, the, at the top of the pyramid because I knew that if I was not happy, then that was going to trickle down through my staff, my customers, everyone. And, um, and I knew if, if I was happy and my staff was happy, happy my customers would probably be happy because um, we'd, we'd done a pretty awesome job up until that point, even despite of me being really stressed out. And so um, I figured, hey, if I can reorient this company so that that um, it's serving me and it's profitable, that that would that would make its way to the customers. And what what we had been doing up until that point was a great job, and we could take it up another level. And experience has borne that out. So the um, you know the main changes we made were. July 1st, 2017, we raised our prices 20% across the board. Uh, our, our margins had simply not been high enough. And they were, you know, we were constantly relying on um, just more and more growth in order to be able to achieve that profitability. But it was, you know, we had these totally unrealistic targets that we had to keep hitting. And so uh, we basically, you know, by raising our prices went to a, meant we could afford to do less volume and still be profitable. Um, we restricted the number of trips by 40% or wow. cut back, cut back the number of trips we operate by 40%. And, uh, the rationale behind that was, um, we, we, we were just spreading people out over too many trips. And when you have three or four people on a trip, you know, you're breaking even, you have 10, 12 people on a trip, your, you know, your margins are super healthy. So mm-hmm. the idea was let's, let's cut that back. Let's get more people per trip, higher margins, and and maybe less volume, but I don't I don't care about volume anymore. And then the final piece was let's cut our operating expenses. So we we cut our operating expenses by almost forty percent. Wow. And um, so the net result of that was that we our monthly targets our, our monthly break even targets were less than half what they were before. And we've you know we've smashed those targets every month since uh, implementing all of this. And and oh uh, man, thank you. And and the end result too is that I've I've more or less completely removed myself from the company. I only do three four hours a week. That's and, what I uh, want to get into. I want to get into that next because I think that's ext- extremely fascinating. And for most people listening, they're going to think that's absolutely impossible. Four hour work week. Yeah yeah yeah. But I mean, it sounds like there's a huge parallel here from your your experience with depression, and then kind of having that that bottom out and then making like making a clear clearly new decision for yourself getting getting support and making some important changes it's it's like a very very similar type of path where this your company was going through this cycle over and over and over again and finally you decided to do something about it did you ever see that before or yeah well i absolutely you know absolutely i mean i think that's it's very it's very similar um you know the, the company basically chugged along for a few years with these significant underlying problems mm-hmm. uh you know with the business model with me you know with all with all kinds of things and and um you know i guess to to use the analogy back when i was going through through my struggles i was just kind of trying to trying to trying to um run away, run away from it by just you know like i said just skiing more and partying more and mm-hmm. whatever trying to run away from run away from those problems similar w- with my business we're just like hey let's let's throw some more mo- investor money um 
onto this thing. And you know, it, it, wow. it's, I, I maybe make it make it make it up to sound a little bit more drastic than it is. It's not like there were you know massive problems with the business or anything yeah. like that. But there were there were certainly aspects of the business that that would have been addressed had I not brought on this money because I just would have had to. And, um, and once, you know, once I made the decision that, Hey, I'm not going to bring on more investor money, we have to actually, you know, fix this thing. I started looking at the whole business in a different way and, and picking everything apart and saying, Hey, what's working, what isn't working. And, um, you know, really, really diving into the, the nuts and bolts of it in a way that I, I that I, you know, I, I didn't have to before. And, th- and that's fairly classic from, with well-funded businesses, they, you know, whether it's like venture funding or angel funding or friends and family or whatever, you know, you, you have a venture, a venture fund throwing $20 million at you. You can f- afford to waste a lot of money before, before that blows up in your face. And it happens all the time. It's like this and, propping uh, up almost. It's like, you know, if you, if you continue to throw money at it, you're just propping up what isn't working and you're not addressing that it's not actually working and you have to do something about it. Yeah. And, and I and I will probably. Well, I, I'm I'm not very good at predicting the future. <laughs> I avoid any future businesses that I do. Um, but if I do take on investor money, it's going to be much more carefully, and it's going to be, you know, with going into that process with a much sounder uh, understanding and deep deep look at at the fundamentals of the business. Um, so that when you do add money, it just supercharges things. It supercharges something that's already working really well rather than yes. mas- masking it with so much, uh, investor money. To, you know, there, there's a reason why, uh, you know, I don't know what the statistics are. It's around 90% of venture funded businesses fail is, is because they're just throwing money after something that isn't actually, isn't actually proven and, and, um, and do, and doesn't have a, a sound underlying business model. It's like, hey, let's just let, wow. Let's let's just throw some money at this thing and hope that it works, right? It's like that's, Ke- that's Ke- like Kevin my- O'Leary says. He's like a moment of silence for the money has that has just died. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you know what? One of the things that I really really admire about you is the fact that you see you, you're living a life that is pretty rare uh in my experience i mean i mean i I get to surround myself with some pretty inspiring individuals who are focused on the quality of their life their aliveness and and trying to work in harmony with that in their through their businesses as well and having the business support that lifestyle but um i mean the norm is typically that the entrepreneurs will burn themselves out They'll, they'll they'll build these business in spite of themselves at the cost of those things that are really, really important to them. That's one of the things that really um, uh, is, is inspirational about you because you live a life that is really, really full. Yeah, thank you. I, I try. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a relatively new development. Um, but, and, and I'm still, you know, I'm still, I'm still wrestling with this idea of, of how much of how much of this you know how much of this is actually living the values that I that I claim to have and there's still vestiges old uh, you know of the of the e- of the ego taking hold there mm-hmm. and um, uh, but I, I'm I'm really really trying to build a life where uh, 
where the things that, and it's not just things that I recognize that are important to me. It's you know, science bears this out. They will, you know, every every study will show that the the relationships of your life are the number one contributor yeah. to your sense of hap- happiness and meaning. But that's incompatible with with you know trying to drive eighty percent growth rates and and build a you know hundred million dollar company, like that kind of those kind of results require intense dedication and intense hours. And, you know, you look at somebody like Elon Musk, the guy's held up as a role model and he, and he certainly is, he's solving some major problems and, and kudos to him for that. But every interview I've read about him is like his, his personal life is a shambles and he's, yes. he's actually not, and he's not happy. And the last uh, interview I read in Rolling Stone about him, you know, he talked about, he talked about coming back to this empty house and, and talking about how how you know how miserable that is for him, and um, and you know, and I just thought like that's that's not the life for me. It's it's um, yeah. We, we'd all like to have our our name in lights and and be written in the history books and all that kind of stuff. But there's a price for that. You know, it, there's a massive price. And can and, you and can you do you want to pay that price? Can you even afford it? Right. Exactly. And. You know, I want to I want to help spread the message that hey, that's great as long as you go into it knowing the cost. Are you prepared to sacrifice your relationships? Are you prepared to sacrifice you know having uh, having a, a, a supportive partner or whatever? Um, that, because that's often the cost that that is to be borne. And if you are so dedicated to whatever it is that you're doing, and Elon clearly is, and he he understands the cost. He maybe doesn't like the cost, but he understands it, and he keeps he keeps going down that road. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's great. We that's need people. For like, him. Yeah. We need we we need people like him. You know, solving the world's biggest problems. That's that's amazing. But uh, you know, people need to understand that. And and if you're, but you know. The, the, you have to ask yourself the question, why? Why am I doing this? And I don't think enough people really stop long enough to ask that why. And uh, I, I love that. You've probably heard this, the five whys process, and uh, where you just keep asking yourself why until you, yeah. start, you start peeling the onion back. And, you know, when I asked myself, why am I our, – our BHAG, our big, hairy, audacious goal was to be in every country on earth by 2021. And we actually developed a, this pretty cool – uh, software slash Airbnb type platform that probably would have allowed us to achieve that. But once I started asking myself why, like why are you doing that, is and, and I started realizing, you know, you get at, you get at the heart of it is because I I didn't feel validated uh, in some way, and this is my way to sort of self validate. And wow. that's not a that's not a that's not a good reason to do anything, <laughs> uh, you know. And, and uh, I realized that boy, boy, I'd, I'd much rather have the validation. Of my kids and my wife and and myself than than the validation of Entrepreneur Magazine or whatever. Some so strangers. Yeah, I would I would love for you to break down for us what your life looks like right now. Like how do, how are your days and weeks broken up so we can get a perspective of you know how, how does Mike spend his time now? Well, right now I'm sitting in the laundry room in my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing I we're actually... only doing audio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I actually am wearing pants. Um, they're, they're quite nice pants. Um, so I, I moved my team fully remote about a year and a half ago. We had an office in downtown Toronto. Um, and through and we had a couple of people who were working remotely. And we had uh, you know a few people who were working in town. And then one of my key employees moved out of town. He moved to Cambridge, just west of Toronto. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, like, why do we have this office? Uh, and I... I 
in that previous summer, I'd already spent a good chunk of the summer working from home, working on my back deck. It was a lovely summer, and our and our deck is quite nice. And <clears throat> and so I just thought, well, what, why are we doing this? This is silly. So we went we went all remote, and I work from home now, and my wife works from home too, which is great. We get more time to spend together. Um, so I guess you know, in terms of what is what does my schedule look like? Um, I get up most days. I get up between five and six a.m. Uh, depending on what time I go to bed the night before, and um, you know, I have I have my morning routine, which usually starts with um, usually starts with a coffee. <laughs> and, <laughs> what kind of coffee? Uh, usually some kind of dark roast, and dark then roast. French press yeah. or mocha pot. No, just just regular drip coffee. Drip. Okay. Uh, at seven thirty, when everybody else wakes up, I have a I have a bulletproof coffee. Um, which I like, but I can't really. We have a we have a Vitamix blender, and it's quite powerful and loud, and so it would wake up the whole house. So right. I can't do that. I can't do that at 5 a.m. It would probably wake up the neighbors too. Uh, but then you know I do things like um, I have my morning meditation, and uh, I recently got a uh, a Muse headband. I don't know if you've you've heard of it, but basically it's a headband that goes on your on your forehead and and around your ears, and it reads your brain waves and it gives you real time real time feedback as you meditate so as you're as you're drifting away and you know you thinking about your to do list or whatever uh it starts giving you feedback like hey come back, come back to your breath ah good uh, which is really cool tool and it's really up my meditation game I, I i love it uh I'll do some yoga these days i I incorporate a bit of physiotherapy because my shoulders all all bunged up yeah. um I'll do some reading. So what kind of right. what kind of yoga? Just just a couple of flows, a couple of stretches or So I do the exact same routine every day. And I've been doing it for maybe three years now. It's okay. it's about twenty minutes long. Uh it's it's uh, so when I did my yoga teacher training, I, it was Kundalini yoga, which I did. And so awesome. this is this is just a, a simple, you know, twenty minute uh twenty minute session. Like I said, it's the exact same thing. Uh, I don't want to think about about which routine I'm going. I just I just do the same one, and it, yeah. you know incorporates the whole body. So it um, uh, I get enough variety within the routine without having to switch it up. Uh, then I do some some reading, and right now I'm reading, uh, you know, Cameron Cameron Harold's Vivid Vision book, which just awesome. came out, and uh, loving that. I, I love that he put out a whole book on the concept, and uh, and sometimes I will, uh, you know, work on a on a pet project or and sometimes I will actually, you know, do do work, but um, most of the time I try to keep that time for for myself and and not work. So um, then then it's getting the kids off to school. Uh, after the kids are off to school, I try to I try to sit down with my wife and just talk about uh, talk about our schedule, talk about life, whatever. Um, you know, just try and have that that daily check in with each other. Which um, you know, when you have three kids and and multiple businesses and all this stuff. There's always just so much of your time could just be eaten up with just dealing with the logistics of life. Uh-huh. And, and, uh, and when you're not even meeting that, then things get, things get crazy. So it's good to be able to do that in terms of, um, you know, the rest of the day, uh, usually it's, we have a, we have a day with sacred rides. We have a daily huddle at 10:53 every morning. It's a, it's a seven minute huddle. And, um, and I'll just, you know, work on, Right now, my main project is uh, is getting ready for Mastermind Adventures in Utah in May. So just um, 
following up with the last couple of people who are who are signing up and then dealing with the logistics of putting on the event and stuff like that sacred rides like i said it's um it's i'm i'm more or less completely removed from the business and i have a few meetings on tuesdays uh on you know those are phone or skype meetings and uh, i try to i try to get out for a, a walk every day if i can walk the dog or walk myself something like that <laughs> i freaking love this <laughs> and uh and and try to squeeze squ- try and squeeze a little guitar time in there if i can do you just play um, guitar or do you play anything else just guitar right now this this very same laundry room that i'm sitting in we're trying to we're trying to redo it and turn it into a bit of a, a studio so i want to yeah. get my recording recording studio set back up and actually i'm meeting with uh the uh the bassist from my band in a in a couple weeks and uh our our singer, who was just the most fabulous, amazing singer, she moved to Victoria, and that kind of killed the band. But uh, oh. I reached out to both of them. I reached out to both of them recently, and and uh, I don't know if you remember the band Postal Service, but uh, they were it was it was Benjamin Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie, who's based in Seattle, and this other guy who's based in California, and it was called Postal Service because they would just mail tracks back and forth as they're uh, working on them and recording. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, they put out this just amazing music, and and so I reached out to them. And and these days you don't have to mail CDs. You just like all the software is, you know, it's it's in the cloud, and you can, you can Dropbox it and yeah, or Google you can Drive it. Well, you can practically record in real time. You know, she could be in Victoria, and we could be here, and and just recording live. Wow! Uh, if you have a good enough connection. Anyway, so I reached out to them and said, "Hey, why don't we why don't we get some recordings in, in the bag? It's super easy to do these days." And they were keen, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start doing that again. I'm stoked to hear it, man. Yeah, and then uh, you know I, I I pick up my kids from school mo- most days at three thirty, which uh, which I enjoy, and uh, you know try to spend my afternoons with the kids, and uh, yeah, that's kind of it. You know, and and every now and then I travel somewhere, whether it's to run one of my own events or attend another event or next week I'm going to go back to Fernie and do some skiing, which I'm just absolutely super stoked about. So yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty full and awesome life. What I, what I love about it is because there's a lot, there's a lot of living in there. And I think a lot, so I, I have this distinction and it's, it's life and living life is so much. It's the game, which is important and, and playing the game like to win, to succeed, but uh, I find that a lot of people are missing out on the living part where it's just like, you know what? You have everything you need. Everything is great. Like you have people in your life. You have, you know, you have a great country that you live in. Like there's things to appreciate and that are real and concrete like right now. And you don't have to always be in the chase. And from you describing your day, like that's what it is. It's like you have a lot of living that you get to, to do and experience. That's the bon vivant part. Yes, yeah. You know what? Uh, th- that reminds me of uh, something my my therapist used to say. Who, you know, he really became such a such a mentor to me, and and uh, and e- and even a father figure. You know, so much of our work was uh, was around grieving around my father, and he became not in a weird, you know, psychologically displaced kind of way, but he just became this lovely mentor, father figure to me. Mm-hmm. And um, and he and he had this saying, and it was uh, it simply, "This is your beautiful life," right? And, uh-huh. and uh, is because so much of my uh so much of my pain was was involved imagining this other life that I I could be living but instead I was living this you know shitty depressed life wow. and uh, and 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 as I started to and as as I started to heal heal from that 
I, I would feel better, but I was still sort of looking ahead to some to some day when you know when I would be fully healed and and life would be wonderful. And and he kept reminding me. He said, "This is your this this is your beautiful life. This today, right now, in this moment, this is your beautiful life. And if you keep thinking that your beautiful oh. life is is going to come one day, it'll probably never come. And uh, it'll forever be in the fu- the the unknown future. Yeah." And, um, you know, it's such a reminder to just look around and just express gratitude. And, and um, you know, that, and that's another part of my morning routine is, uh, is gratitude. And, and, and I do it a couple of ways. Um, sometimes I use uh, the, the five-minute journal just to write things down. And sometimes I'll just, I'll just sit and, and uh, just remind myself. And, and, you know, my kids and my wife and all the amazing opportunities that I have in life, they, they come up frequently. But I remember or, or, or I, I try to remember all the all the little things, you know, be grateful for, hey, this cup of coffee. Like this is an amazing cup of coffee. Oh, I can't yeah. Be- I can't believe how good this cup of coffee tastes, and and uh, and uh, you know the fact that I'm actually just sitting there and I'm and I'm healthy, or you know, there's so many beautiful little things that, uh, and 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 again, science proves that out. When you can uh, focus on gratitude, is one of the quickest routes to happiness, and and you know, it can be one of those fake it till you make it things, right? Like if you're if you're feeling like crap. You know, you're, it's going to be really hard to express genuine gratitude when you've, when, you know, if I look back at my life back then when I was in the depths of things, for me to sit down and express gratitude, like, oh, fuck, I guess I'm not dead. Um, but, wow. you know, you, you, you do that, repeat, you do that repeatedly and, and it starts to sink in. You realize, hey, you know what? I, I you know, I may feel, I may feel like crap, but I, I'm not dead and I'm, I'm living on this planet and, and I, you know, I, I could have another hundred years on this planet and, and, and live all kinds of amazing things. And boy, oh boy, that's, you know, that's, that's pretty awesome. I found that a lot of uh, leaders and high performers, they're really driven by the idea that, you know, it's never enough. They're never enough. They're not doing enough and it's, and they'll never be satisfied. Um, and I think there's a tremendous cost to that. I would love to, to know your take or what you would say to those kinds of people who uh, fail to recognize what's great about their lives or, or maybe <coughs> prevent themselves from rewarding themselves because it's like, it's, it's never enough. Like I'll never, like I'll never be satisfied. Like what would you say to them? Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you for asking that question. Cause uh, boy, oh boy, do uh, it, I mean, you know, I'm not that I'm, I'm not, I'm certainly not fully removed from that. And, and yeah. any, any removal I have from that is fairly recent. So I, I know exactly what that feels like. But I, I definitely feel like I've come to this place where, you know, I'm 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 really satisfied with things just the way they are. And if they just stayed like this, great. I, I still have plenty of goals and and things I want to do. But uh, you know, I'm not I'm not manic about them. I'm not stressed that they're not happening right now. And um, I'm in a program called Strategic Coach, and and the founder Dan Sullivan has this you know this great. Um, this great concept of of the gap where he says like most most people measure themselves going forward and they measure the gap between where they are and their ideal life mm-hmm. and and he urges people to flip their thinking and measure backwards and think about how far you've come and you know yeah. you still may, you still may have that ideal but don't measure yourself against it know that you'll keep moving there and and measure backwards and see how far you've come and and you know if you keep if you if you keep uh thinking that way you're going you're you're going to keep moving forward but you're not going to get you're not going to beat yourself up about it and you know for I, i've really over the last few years i've really 
uh, I've, re I've really upped the, I guess, the, the, the quality of my network in terms of the people that I hang out with. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm surrounded by people who are just doing incredible things and achieving success on these incredible uh, levels. And, and, and it's very easy to, you know, and, I, and I've achieved uh, a level of success that most people would be quite envious of, but it would be so easy for me to, to get bogged down in, in looking what all these other people have and be like, oh God, like there's so much, so much farther to go. And, and I've, I've really been able to release that late, lately and just yeah. be super content with, with where I am now. And, and it just, not only does it make you happier, but it just relieves you so much stress because it's, it's this incredible stress to carry around, like having to always achieve the next level. And, uh, you know, you're never, you're never going to be happy like that. And it's just going to stress you right out. And, um, you know, if, if you can let go of that and just be happy with the concept of that, I, I'm really grateful for where I am now. And I know that I'm going to keep progressing and wonderful things are going to keep coming my way. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll, I'll capitalize on some opportunities. I'll miss on others, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep swinging, but I don't care if I, I, if, if I, if I hit or miss, I'll just keep swinging and be happy that I'm playing the game. And, um, yeah. you know, it's, um, Yeah. Would you would you say that I mean on on the flip side would you say that this appreciation like coming from this place of this is my beautiful life would you say that that has a profound impact on when you are swinging when you are playing the game like this does somebody who can experience that joy and that gratitude and appreciation for their life as it is right now do they in your experience or do you in your experience uh, perform at a higher level when you do uh, need to be on when you are like performing when you are uh, in mm -hmm. goal pursuit. Well, I, I think I think that you know the most important aspect of that is make sure you're playing the right game. You, <laughs> <laughs> Let's deconstruct the shit out of this. <laughs> yeah, if, if if you you know if you show up to a baseball game with a hockey stick and hockey gloves. On, <laughs> You're, you're not going to perform very well. And, you know, to get out of that analogy a little bit, um, it's really it's really understanding what it is that you want. You know, what is that vision? What is that I ideal that you're, you're, you're striving for? And really going deep on that and, and, you know, asking those why questions multiple times. Um, and again, I'll give, I'll give props to, to Cameron Harold for this and his Vivid Vision book. Um, you know, it's, uh, I love it because it really de deconstructs the process of how can you envision your life and what is what is the right life for you? Mm. Because so many so many of us live the wrong life, right? How many doctors and lawyers are out there simply because that's that's what their parents expected or society expected of them? And oh, the validation and just, piece, yeah, and they're just they just they're, they're just miserable at it. Uh, and you know, and again, I'm not disparaging doctors or, or lawyers, lawyers, of course. But if you are becoming a if you're becoming a doctor because you you're just driven and and passionate about helping others and helping them achieve health, that's that's one thing. If you're a doctor because it's the respectable profession and it's what your parents expect you to do or whatever, that's that's a recipe for a lifetime uh, of misery. So, you know, I, I actually did uh, did Cameron's Vivid Vision process once about two and a half years ago. And, um, and, and, and I wrote about four or five pages of the life that I wanted, but I, I, I was very, not very, I was, I wouldn't say very moderately misaligned mm 
mm-hmm. then in, uh, in that it was still very much dri- driven by ego. And I'm actually going to go into that process again. And I'm, and I'm happy that uh, I'm very happy that at this particular time in my life where I feel so ready for this process that he's released an entire book about it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, part of that and one of the things he recommends is like disconnecting yourself and finding a, a, a place where you can, you know, spend half a day and just be quiet and, and listen and let the universe give you clues. You know, what is the right life for you? Like what is the right you- game? Before yeah, what is the down. right game that, that I'm playing so I, I don't show up at a baseball game with a hockey stick? Um, and that is the best. When you when you are very clear on on where it is that you want to go, it everything just kind of flows and and it, it's it's not a struggle anymore. And if you don't take the time to honor that those inner voices and you know whatever, you're gonna find you're you're chasing something that. You're, maybe you don't really want, right? Like that cover of Entrepreneur Magazine. Mm-hmm. You're chasing that because everyone around you is chasing that same thing. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's not a recipe for fulfillment or, or happiness. And, uh, you know, I guess, I guess for me, I actually, when I was uh, at, the end of, at the end of last year, I have, I have this monthly forum, forum group that I, that I meet with with five other guys. And we brought in a facilitator to help us sort of map out uh, our 2018 and what our goals are and stuff like that and uh there was this um this this new business or this new venture that had been in the back of my mind and i went through that process and <clears throat> I, I just felt very clear that i wanted to make 2018 about uh about about making that happen and then and then 2018 came around and as i got a little bit further into it i started getting a little bit more clarity and letting go of a little bit more ego. And I realized that, hey, you know, where I've gotten to at this point in life, where I've got a couple of businesses that generate a, a wonderful lifestyle that I don't have to work very hard at, um, you know, for, for the first time in so many years, I have this opportunity to just really sit and be and spend time with my kids and go travel with my family. And, 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 uh, and that, you know, that doesn't fit nicely into any sort of achievement box but that's really the essence of you know of of life and what life mm-hmm. is about is is spending time with uh you know the the people that you love and and there's no ROI that you can measure on that but boy oh boy is there a huge return on that what would you say to people who are already um they're already fully vested into a certain path like they already have so much momentum they have years going into this path let's say it is they're a lawyer <laughs> or they're a doctor um but you know, sometimes the mentality is like, well, I've already put so much time and energy and training and certifications into this. Like, I might as well just keep on going, even though that might not be the right game for them to play. Like, what would you say to those kinds of people? Well, there's a there's an actual name for that. You've probably heard it. It's called the sunk cost fallacy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, it's a cognitive bias that says, well, I should just keep going down this road because I've put so much into it. But the fact that you put so much in of this should have no uh i mean maybe you know i don't want to be completely naive and wishy-washy about this if you've if you've just spent six years uh you know doing med school and your residency and you're 140 thousand dollars in debt maybe it's not the right time to become a poet <laughs> um you know maybe yeah. like be realistic about it but but recognize that you know and again, to be, to be cliche about it, but we we really do only have one life to live, as as mm-hmm. far as I know. And maybe I'll find out differently. But um, you know, it, it, to to spend your entire life not aligned with what you're doing is 
it's just uh, it's not only a disservice to yourself; it's a disservice to the world. And you know, to use that that doctor as an example, well, um, recognize that hey, this is not the right path. And you know, if you if you spend enough time with yourself, you will discover whether that's true or not. And if you discover that you're really not aligned with that, then then figure out you know how do I get on the right path? And maybe that involves you know graduating, spending six years paying off your debt, whatever, but honoring the fact that hey. You know, this is not the right path for me. And, uh, you know, I've mentored uh, and consulted with and advised a lot of entrepreneurs and um, particularly uh, a lot of startup entrepreneurs, people who are, you know, they're starting a business, maybe working on the side and uh, and and they find it overwhelming and they're ready to throw in the towel. And, and um, you know, that, there's people put a lot of pressure on themselves and and just because you want something doesn't mean you have to have it right then. And I, I, you know, I just use something called the half hour rule. If you put in, if you show up every day and just put in half an hour towards whatever, whether it's a business or whether it's, you know, you want to be a musician or, or you want to play hockey or whatever, just mm-hmm. show up and, and, and at, at the bare minimum, just do half an hour every day. Everybody, I don't care who you are, uh, even an ER doctor can probably spare half an hour somewhere in their in their day. Just put in half an hour and just do whatever whatever is going to move you one tiny little microscopic step towards what it, what it is that you want, and um, and and you will eventually you will you know you total up half hour of focus time over a year that's over 180 hours, and and you can accomplish a lot in 180 focused hours. You can write wow. a you can write a pretty killer book, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so you know if you if you if you and I remember my wife and I were just talking about it this morning. She was she was reminiscing about when we first met, and I had this like I had this dream list a mile long. You know, I wanted to start this radio show. I wanted to write a book. I wanted to do this. Wanted that, and and I still have you know a pretty big list like that. But back then, I actually thought I could do it all at the same time. <laughs> and now I'm a little bit more realistic about what I can achieve, and you know, and, and I'm and. And my my no muscle is a lot stronger right now, and, and my no muscle is actually more of a not now muscle, mm-hmm. and uh, and um, uh, you know we we all have these these things that we want to achieve, and and we get we beat ourselves up because we're not doing them right now. But if you know if you can just do that little bit every day, it is it is so rewarding, and eventually, you know that thing that half hour you're putting just becomes becomes your entire life because you know you've you've you finally reach some sort of pinnacle where you can devote yourself to that full time and and uh, you know honor that honor your life and and don't just don't just plod along because some somebody says you should. What, what would you say have been some of the biggest game changers for you recently? Well, um, that ties that ties into the story of how you and I met. Uh, so back at the tail end of 2016 and going back many years now usually around boxing day i'll i'll sit down for a few hours and i'll and i'll do a little bit of a recap of my year and what went well and what uh, what were some of the lessons i learned or needed to learn this year and and then i'll and i'll plan ahead for the next year and what are some of the things that i want to uh, i would like to do in the following year and one of the things i put on my list at the tail end of 2016 was i wanted to attend mastermind talks jason mm-hmm. jason gaynard's event which you and i met at and um and and lo and behold i ended up there last may may of 2017 and um that was actually the second event event of its type that i attended last year and the first one was giovanni marsico's uh, archangel masters event in 
Pasadena, California. And th those two, you know, which happened in a three-month span there, were my first foray into this world of, you know, these high-end entrepreneur events where, where I was surrounded by people who were just, you know, really um, killing it on a high level. And also mm -hmm. just uh, a lot of just amazing people who, who um, you know, a lot of people who are really aligned and doing things for the right reasons. And, and, um, and uh, that was, you know, that was uh, a really, I, I think, a very, two very pivotal events of, that occurred, you know, less than a year ago. And um, they've really, I would say, you know, one thing that's shifted in, in the last year and a half has really been about my mindset and just how my mind thinks and operates. And I've always been a, a pretty optimistic guy and kind of felt like I could, you know, do anything I wanted. I would say, I would say, you know, if I were to go back five years ago or 10 years ago, I was still very optimistic, but very naively optimistic where I would have this big list of things that I want to do and think I could do them all. You know, I could write a book, start a radio show, all this, all these things. And now um, I'm optimistic, but I have much more confidence in my abilities because I've learned how to actually execute these things because I've seen, you know, I'm surrounded by all these other people that do this on a regular basis. And I understand not only how they do things, but how they think. And, uh, you know, that, that mindset shift is, is so powerful. Yeah, there's so many running themes in your story and your experiences that uh, I think are they're so damn important. There's um, actually asking yourself the questions of what do I want? Why do I want it? Well, why do I want that? And and just really, really digging deep into asking yourself why. Like why is, – is it your ego or is this really what you want for yourself? There's the, the relationship aspect because, you know, going to events like Archangel and going to Mastermind Talks, it's, it's so much about building those relationships, but also the, the personal relationships like your family, like having time with your wife, having the time with your kids, like, and that whole idea of this is your beautiful life, like right now. And I can see that even just in the last 12, 12 months uh, or less since I've known you that you've been reinventing yourself, you've been evolving and you've ma been making some huge huge decisions and i have to acknowledge you for that mm, thank you thank you um yeah i'm and and uh you know just just being able to sit here and talk to you and uh have have this wonderful conversation is you know just t testament to what i was talking about like this you know i'm so grateful to be able to sit here and talk to you and and uh, and to have other people actually listening listening to what we're talking about and hopefully it will uh, touch them and maybe they'll take some value from it and and I and I know how much value you delivered to people so uh, it's all beautiful it's so beautiful man well tell us about what you're excited about the things that we can look forward to to see from you hmm. uh, so as I mentioned uh, in May I'm going to be doing uh, my Mastermind Adventures event in Utah. Uh, I'll be doing another one in Patagonia in December, which I'm um, super excited about. Wow. Uh, um, 2019, I'm going to be announcing our 2019 events in June. And uh, I've got some, some great ideas for, uh, for really places and cool experiences. And... Um, Let's see. My wife and I are this summer 
we're going to head out to Prince Edward County, which is a couple hours east of Toronto, and just uh, kind of live the live the country life for a good chunk of the summer. So I'm I'm excited about that, and uh, there's going to be some good hammock time in there. So. Uh, and the other thing is, I'm I'm uh, I love writing, so I'm going to really up my writing game over the over the coming months. I want to. Uh, I love your writing, love... by the way. Oh, thank you. Like you have, like your voice is just, it's perfect. Like it, that is you. Like when I read oh. when I read your work, amazing. Thank you. And you're thank very you. very thorough and inc- like just the way, especially you sharing. Like I'll put that in the show notes as well. This the the four hour work week for real article. I think that's probably one of the more recent ones. You go deep. Like, you go deep into what you did in changing your business. I was like, holy shit, this is really good. I I went a little crazy deep. I think it came up pretty close to 7,000 words. (laughs) And then I I finished. I was like, damn, I've written the quarter of a book here. Uh, But, you know, I just – I I wanted to share that. So important. I I, I wanted to share the whole process. And, and, you know, I've had a bunch of people – uh, write to me, come up to me and say, man, that was, that was incredible. I took so much value out of that and mm-hmm. I'm already implementing some of this stuff. And, and that, uh, you know, that just makes me feel awesome that something I did, uh, is, you know, helping other people. And, um, well, that one article is bound to make a huge difference in a lot of people's lives. Like that is like, you just, I mean, you, you, you bust a lot of different myths and I think, I think it's, it's worth celebrating for sure. Well, thank you. So writing more. Thank you. Please keep writing. <laughs> and uh, and recording some music as yes. well. Is there, is there a book in you? Uh, there is a book in me, but not now. <laughs> maybe, maybe 2019. I could feel it in you, man. Yeah. Yeah. T- tell us where we can find, find your work, find your writing, um, your, your events. Yeah, so uh, my writing is at my my personal website, uh, mikebercich dot com, and that's b r c i c mike b r c i c dot com. Um, Mastermind Adventures is mastermind hyphen adventures dot com. Uh, I think we may have one spot left for Utah. I'm not sure that may get snapped up as well, but you're welcome to take a look. And there's Patagonia as well in December, and uh, urge people to join the. Join the mailing list. I can notify you when we launch our 2019 events. And as I mentioned, I have some really epic trips in the cards for 2019. And uh, yeah, and uh, hopefully Spotify, iTunes, all that kind of stuff when the album comes out. I'll make sure to I'll make sure to update uh, the show notes so we have that when it, when it is out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not making any promises. We're just going to get together and have some fun and yeah, just play. And uh, but I, I I'm blessed to to be able to do that with a couple of incredibly talented musicians, who who put up with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so as a final question, I would love for you to share uh, like a singular action item for the people who are listening. Like if you can make one one action item for them for them to take in the next 24 hours or next seven days, what would you what would you say to them? Well. Um... I, I, I've mentioned it a few times, um, a few times in this in this talk, but I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to it. Uh, and you know, you you touched on the question why, and and I've and I've repeated that several times. Uh, I think I think Cameron's book Vivid Vision is a uh, is a fantastic tool for helping you ask why and helping you really 
really uncover the why of your life and really helping you paint that picture of, of what does that life look like? Because it's really hard to move towards the life you want if you don't have a clear idea of what that life is. So mm. uh, I, I would say, you know, go and get yourself a copy of, of Vivid Vision and and spend some time reading it and then go find go find yourself a quiet spot under the stars, in the woods, wherever, and really think about uh, about the why of your life and and what type of life you want to live and then write it down. I think that is such a beautiful way to end our episode, man. Just people to take that space for themselves. Cause I don't think people make that and set that as an intention of I'm going to block out this time. And it's all about where do I want to be in the future and what's going to, what does my future look like? I think when we're kids, we have that where we're, we're aspiring, we're dreaming and, you know, as, as adults, it doesn't happen as often unless you do intentionally block out that time for yourself and even separate yourself from the regular context of your life. So I think that's a, that's a great suggestion. Go pick up that book, guys. Mike, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I appreciate you very much. Thank you. Such a pleasure, man. Hey guys, Oliver here. Before you take off, just want to give another huge thank you to Mike Bursich. You can find more information about him at MikeBursich.com. His last name is spelled B-R-C-I-C. Great, great resource and lots of amazing articles. He's such a talented writer and really delivers the goods. So definitely check out his information over at MikeBursich.com. You can see what's happening over at SacredRides.com as well as his Mastermind Adventures, which is available at Mastermind-Adventures.com. As well, any resource, book, person mentioned in the show, you can find it in the show notes at olivermanalise.com forward slash show. Again, a huge shout out to Marlon Manalise for setting this all up, putting it all together so it's on our website and available to us all. As always, if you want to support the show, please share this with somebody that you care about. Or if you are inspired to do so, please write us a five-star review and on, on iTunes and that will help us get some more visibility send me a message let me know what you think about the show any feedback that you have at Oliver uh, on Facebook and that is all thank you so much for tuning in we'll see you guys next time